Part two, chapter twenty one of Johnny Reb and Billy Yank by Alexander Hunter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Barry Eads. Chapter twenty one The Rear Guard of the Grand Army. Both my comrade and myself felt better the next morning, especially as the surgeon, who though he had been constantly at work all night, yet found time to dress our wounds and pronounce them improving as rapidly as could be expected his only prescription being cold water to bathe the hurt. The homeopathic plan, after a battle, was the only one our doctors followed, whether they all believed in it or not. Cold water was plentiful, and no other restoring agent being at hand, they all became advocates of the cold water cure. In fact, the medical stores were very scant. We possessed none of those large roomy ambulances which the Yankees had, filled with all the adjuncts of the medical profession no old sanitary for us our field surgeon's outfit consisted of a bag in the depths of which were rolls of bandages a case of amputating instruments which some newly fledged doctors used on the slightest pretext if they were in doubt just to keep their hands in as it were all the wounded were treated alike the slightly the badly and the severely their wounds were bandaged with a handful of lint over which was a bandage of cotton then a canteen of water was placed in the patient's free hand that he might keep the cloth always wet, and in the other hand was a branch with which to wave the flies away. After all, the simple treatment was possibly the safer and better. Mother Nature is a kind old dame, and will heal her children's wounds unless indeed they be mortal. The simpler the remedies, the surer the cure, and the continual dripping of cool, clear water on the affected parts prevented erysipelas and fever. Many of our most eminent surgeons freely confessed, in conversation and in print, that in hot weather clear water possessed greater curative powers than all the lotions in the world. Others of the fraternity would deny this, of course, for when did doctors ever agree? Be that as it may, the stricken soldier had by far greater confidence in the efficacy of the pure element than in the drugs and nostrums of the laboratory. Then, for superating wounds, our surgeons used a porous bag filled with fresh earth. It was found to be an excellent absorbent. After the doctor had taken up the severed arteries and bandaged my hurt, I was soon out of pain, and as I sank restfully back, the last thing that I recollected was the doctors of medicine and divinity carrying out the body of a soldier who had died in the corner of the room. Poor fellow! His personal effects were few, a rifle left on the field, a pair of shoes, and maybe a bag of tobacco and an old pipe, which were appropriated by the burial squad. A blood-stained blanket, which he probably got of some dead enemy, and which, falling to our share, would, if we shuffled off our mortal coil, be taken by the next chance soldier. No need for executors for the privates in the ranks. The first hand, stretched out, obtained the personal property, and retained it without fear of administrators or heirs. A cup of coffee was brought us, and hardly had we finished, ere the boom of a cannon broke the stillness of the soft spring air. It was the signal gun, and then the battle opened. We could not move from our pallets, only stay and listen, wishing with a listless kind of hope for rescue. For a half or three quarters of an hour the firing continued, advancing nearer and nearer, showing that our forces were retreating. Then there was a lessening of reports and while we wondered what it could mean, 
steps were heard outside ascending the stairway and several of our comrades of the black horse entered the room having been sent by the ever kind and thoughtful colonel randolph to bring our blankets and clothes which had been strapped behind our saddles they told us the news in the morning our forces were struck by solid lines of infantry who had driven them back until they had been ordered to retreat to their horses and retire beyond the village they said furthermore in a short time the courthouse would be occupied by yankees this was anything but cheering news to two already downhearted patients and our spirits sank to zero especially as after a most fashionable visit as regards time our comrades left us soon after the fight was renewed this time only about two miles away a stand must have been made by our people for not only the artillery but the musketry as well could be heard it was a short conflict for it ended as abruptly as it commenced and then came another interval of perfect silence through the window poured a mellow flood of sunlight the green baby leaves but yesterday burst from the bud taking a greener tint from the vivid hued rays a blackbird sang on a bough just outside and the sweet odor of springtime came through the open window one could close his eyes and imagine himself in some peaceful country home in a perfect agony of expectation we awaited the sounds we knew must soon follow and in a few minutes several sudden reports blazed forth and then a shrapnel burst over the courthouse the carol of the bird was hushed again the cannon voice and explosion of shell was heard further down the village shepherd got up good god i can't stand this and he tottered from the room another and still another report and maddened by uncertainty i dragged myself despite the burning pain to the window and looked out i forgot wounds hurts i was thrilled to the heart by the bravest most daring scene my eyes ever gazed upon before or since this was what i saw in front of the courthouse in the direction in which i was looking was a large common or pasture of about one hundred acres destitute of trees or shrubbery with the exception of an old dead apple tree standing in the middle the common was bounded on the opposite side by a dense forest in front of the woods about a half a mile distant was planted a yankee battery of four guns and it was their shells which were exploding over the village in the middle of the field were two figures one lay behind the tree seemingly nerveless with fear for he made neither sign nor motion standing out in bold relief was a soldier in gray with neither brake bank nor cover protecting him he stood there alone fighting that four-gun battery evidently annoyed by his fire a gun was turned on him a solid shot went shrieking over his head but it did not daunt him upright he used his repeating rifle with wonderful rapidity though with what effect i could not see the gun of the battery was aimed better next time for a long furrow was ploughed in the ground near where he stood even that did not cause him to move or retreat instead his rifle went up to his eye a little puff of smoke a faint crack and the bullet sped on its errand then the rifle was lowered a shot from the magazine slipped into the barrel and fired in rapid succession another cannon shot passed through the branches of the old apple tree yet he did not even turn his head he seemed not to know or care whether there was an enemy in the rear and fought like a titan against a host i was lost in amazement who was this man who alone was tackling with superb madness a whole battery of artillery shot and shell seemed no more to him than the clouds of saracen arrows did to the lion-hearted richard paradius at the bridge 
d'Auvergne at the pass holding back unnumbered foes never surpassed in splendid recklessness such an act as this no gladiators exhibitions to excite the huzzas of the populace for less than this has history made men famous the athenians would have carried him into the senate chamber and recited an ode in his honor how grim old Ney would have taken him by the hand and into his heart, and later on Lord Raglan would have given him the Victoria Cross, and England voted him a pension. Ah, bravery is a glorious virtue wherever it be found. The gods respect, men admire, and women adore it. Under all conditions, at all times, it is grand and noble. But grander and nobler is the courage which plans, which dares, which executes without hope and without reward. The sole witness of this exploit now enacting on the heath ended his observations, for a shell from the battery exploded near the window with fearful force. A limb of the sycamore which shaded the courthouse was cut in two, and one of the fragments of iron shattered the window-glass above my head. This was a little too hot, so dropping to the floor I wiggled to the staircase and hallowed for assistance. A soldier heard the call and carried me down the long steps into the courtroom and then, by the direction of the surgeon, laid me upon a bench of the raised dais, where, in peaceful times, the learned man of law was wont to preside and dispense justice to all without regard to age, color, or previous condition of servitude. Listen, there is the rumble of wheels, and a faint cheer follows. The Yankees are closing in on the place. I wonder where the rear guard is now. Killed, captured, wounded, or beating a retreat. Hardly had these thoughts flashed through my mind when the crack of a rifle was heard outside. Through the open door I saw that man in gray retreating in a swinging gate. Then through the window I caught a last glimpse of him. He seemed to be of middle age, tall and thin. Behind him, not a hundred yards away, came the battery in a gallop, and then vanished in a huge cloud of dust. Once more, only once more, the report of his piece sounded so faintly shepherd said as to be barely audible yet it was a deadly shot for in a minute a squad of bluecoats came in carefully bearing one of their number shot through the groin almost in front of the courthouse door he was laid beside me on the platform and then his comrades left without saying a word they were evidently in a desperate hurry shepherd interrogated the man but he was too far gone to answer his wound was mortal and his life was ebbing away with every breath who was the hero or fanatic who killed him? I never could learn. Whether rendered savage, desperate, dangerous by the death of some loved friend killed on the battlefield, or by the ill-treatment of a member of his family by marauders, or a veritable madman at large, or having been a prisoner and made nearly insane by brutal treatment of his captors, or perchance born like Nelson without fear, and loving, as Charles of Sweden did, the music of whistling bullets above everything else, none may ever know whatever feeling inspired him the action was as brilliant as ever jeweled the chronicles of the crusades whether he was killed in the battle which followed or escaped to tell the tale his was the proud title of the rear guard of the anv a veritable stormy petrel of tempestuous war end of chapter twenty one